Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. Well, I am excited this morning. I can feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you, physically, I have battled this week. Up until last night, I almost sent Pastor Hector a text and said, you're preaching in the morning. But that being said, he is preaching next week. So, uh Come out and uh, be part of that as Pastor Hector brings the message next week. It'll be the first time that Pastor Anna and I are actually going on a little vacation in a few years. And when I say little vacation, I'm actually working, I'm doing a wedding, but um, it'll be a a great little getaway for the family. And so uh, we are excited about that. Turning your Bibles this morning to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, and that's where we're going to start this morning. Barbara uh, Christensen, will you stand up? The Lord spoke to me during worship. He said, Barbara, get ready because this is a season where I'm going to cause total restoration. Total restoration. So just lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you right now that the touch of the Holy Ghost would touch Barbara. I thank you that it's total restoration. Total restoration. Everything the enemy has stolen from you, it's time for him to give it up. So, Father, I thank you right now that you would release that grace over her. Father, right now, total restoration in Jesus' name. Total restoration. Right now, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet and all the way to your bank account, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 All right, 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, Pastor Hector, I feel like causing trouble this morning. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received, in which you also stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold firmly to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I handed down to you as of first importance, say first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then all, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. I want to first look at this morning, I have two, two main things I want to look at this morning, of most importance and resurrection power. I want to look at those two things this morning, the first being of first importance. Here is one of the greatest intellectuals of the day, Paul writing, and he says, of first importance. With all the literature, with all the study, with all the knowledge, here is the thing for him that was of first importance. And that's in verses 3 and 4. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And he appeared to people. That was of first importance. That he died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And he appeared to people. Embodied in those four statements is the entire message of salvation that we as Christians hold to. That right there, Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And he appeared to people. And he's still appearing to people today. 
These four actions of Jesus achieved the one objective God had in mind, to deal with everything that disconnected us from God. And we need to have the understanding that sin does separate a person from God. That's been well established uh, throughout Scripture. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2 say this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is His ear so dull that it cannot hear, but your wrongdoings have caused a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. So we've established that. I mean, if you were here last week, you know I preached it hard about sin. But here's what I know. Christ died for our sins. Of first importance, Paul writes. He died for our sins. But, you know, most religions acknowledge that there's a problem. Most religions acknowledge that there's a separation between us and God. I mean, you've got the Hindus who, if you meditate enough and if you do all the right things, that at some point you'll, you'll reach the, the ultimate reincarnation and you'll be one with Brahman. But what is it all based on? It's all based on what you do. It's all based on all of your works. We have whole movements that it's all about what you can do. And there's these hopeless cycles of always trying to obtain something. But Christ died for our sins. Of first importance, Christ died for us. He made us righteous when we could not make ourselves righteous. He did it without us. We have to grasp that. The Bible demonstrates that when a person sins, that is, lives a life of disobedience to God, they must die. But God gave an answer. He gave that answer. Jesus accepted the punishment we deserved. And and here's, here's the reality, church. You have the answer on the inside of you, and there are people waiting to hear the answer. Do you get that this morning? There are people waiting to hear the answer. We celebrate Easter or resurrection. I mean, I'll get in trouble with some people on Facebook for calling it Easter. I don't really care. I'm not going to get into that whole debate. Here's what I know, that Jesus was the only one who made the promise and the promise came to pass. He's alive and we celebrate that today. That there is a resurrection that did take place 2,000 years ago and that we have the answer. But I will tell you that most of the church lives substandard to the resurrection. We live as though it is a fable. Just some great storybook that we were read as a child. We equate the resurrection sometimes to the Easter bunny and Santa Claus because it's just joined with the stories. But I'm telling you this morning, he died. He was pierced through for our transgressions, Isaiah 53, 5. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. Isaiah 53, 10, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. He died for our sins of first importance. The significance of this guilt offering is that it was a one-time thing. It didn't need to be done over and over again. It was a one-time thing. He did it, it's done, and he rose. But before he rose, he was buried. And that's simply the process towards the next event is that there was that in-between time. But I preached a few weeks ago on his descent so that we may ascend. He died, he was buried, he went into the grave For you and I. But Sunday came and he was raised from the dead. 
thus breaking once and for all the power of sin in death, so overcoming the death demonstrated that the power of sin was now broken. I want to tell you that through resurrection power, the power of sin was broken. We have got to stop identifying with sin as our nature. If we have come to know Christ, we are a new creation in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. And I want to challenge the equipping church this morning that we need to begin to live at the standard of resurrection power. He paid much too high a price. Anna was talking with the kids, I think it was Thursday, and she was saying, Let, let's have some worship time. Anna is, is a saint in homeschools. I, I couldn't do it. Hallelujah. And she was homeschooling. She says, let's have some worship time. And, and the kids were being kids. Oh, we don't want to do that right now. We want to play. Blah, blah, blah. And she goes, okay, you need to understand what Jesus did. So she played them a clip from the Passion of the Christ. <laughs> and sweet Eden... Sweet, sweet Eden. Daddy, I didn't realize all that he did for me. But she caught it. She caught the weight of his sacrifice. And I think some of us need to be reminded of the weight of the sacrifice. We need to be reminded he did it for us. And some of us scourge ourselves, beat ourselves up for our sin when he already took the beatings for it. And he already rose from the dead, not to pacify your sin, but to set you free from it. He was raised from the dead. Acts 2.24, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Hebrews 2.14, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. He rendered the devil powerless. I think for too long the church has lived with big devil, little God. But we've got great big God, little bitty devil. You need to remember that this morning. And you need to live that way. The devil has been defeated. I took a phone call this week and this person said to me, well, the devil's just been in my house and the devil's been doing this and the devil's been doing that. And the devil's." I said, you are so acquainted with the devil. You know all of his actions. You know everything he's doing. What has God done this week? Well, the devil's just... I said, you got a great big devil. Huh? I said, all you've said is what the devil's done. What has Jesus done? And begin to appropriate what God did because the devil is defeated. You need to get that this morning. The enemy is defeated. That is the crux of the resurrection. He defeated the devil. We don't have an enemy with equal power. He's not equal to God and we've got to stop living that way. Yes, there, there's a demon under every rock. Yes, there is. I'll preach that till the cows come home. There's probably 10 demons under every rock. But every single demon under every single rock is defeated. I'm not intimidated by a devil. I'm not intimidated by a demon. That's why even this week, I mean, to be honest, I was really sick last night. I was like, there is no way I'm going to be able to preach in the morning. 
I was in my head about it. And I, I, I looked myself in the mirror and I said, Father, you're going to live to the standard that you plan to preach or you better not preach at all. And that was the conversation I had with myself because I think so many times we are quick to preach the standard and we don't always live the standard. I'm, I'm preaching to myself this morning. And I had to say, either I'm going to live in resurrection power or I need to just stop altogether. Because he himself likewise also partook of the same that through death he might render powerless. Do you get that? He rendered powerless him who had the power of death. Here's the fourth thing. He appeared to people, thus proving the historical accuracy of all this. Over 500 people saw Jesus after his resurrection. And the message of Christianity is simply this. Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 21, so that... As sin reigned in death, so also grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's that simple. It is that simple that as death once reigned, so now does grace reign. And when we live in the influence of grace, grace is not the great cover up. It is the great empowerment to overcome that which seeks to defeat us. We've got to live from the revelation of resurrection, church. We've got to make that our truth. Jesus shed his blood to cancel out the guilt of our crime. Thus, we are justified by his blood and declared righteous and not guilty. Let me put it another way. The legal case against us is closed. Our accuser, Satan, is disarmed and no longer has a legal case against us. Now, this could be uh, quite controversial. I told you, Pastor Hector, I feel like causing trouble. All of these ideas that we have to go battle a case in the courts of heaven, let me say to you, it was already settled at the cross. I don't have to battle a case that has already been won. That's legalism and it's heresy to say that I have to keep battling in the courts of heaven something that was already settled at the cross. I live on this side of the cross. Before the cross, I had to battle a case. After the cross, I have no case to battle because it's already been settled at the cross. The judge dropped his gavel at the cross and he sealed the verdict with a resurrection. And that's where we come to the idea of resurrection power. Philippians 3, 7 says this, But whatever things were gained to me, These things I have counted as loss because of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them mere rubbish so that I may gain Christ. And may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, 
but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Christianity is not just an ideology. It is a message that out of spiritual life can be experienced by every person who surrenders to Christ. I want to say that again. It is not just an ideology. It is a reality that anyone who surrenders to Christ can know his resurrection power. The first thing I want to mention out of this text is that you can know Christ. You can have an intimacy with God. The second thing is that as against every other religion, which righteousness is gained on your own acts, it's gained on your own works, it's gained on your own deeds, our righteousness does not come from our works. It comes from Him. It's a great religious objective to be perfect and righteous and acceptable to God. But if I try to do it in my own self, and that is what the Easter message is all about, is that my righteousness was already accomplished through Christ. He gives us his righteousness. Scripture says that my righteousness was like filthy rags, but he gives us his righteousness. And the result is that I already have right standing before God. And I've already been accepted as righteous because when God sees us, He sees us righteous through His Son. This is a faith issue. It's not an issue of whether it's true. The truth has already been established. It was sealed with the resurrection. It's about putting our faith that when we believe God in this great reality that He is faithful and just to forgive us. That we believe we have his righteousness. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 says this. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. And put on the new nature. The regenerate self created in God's image. Godlike in true righteousness and holiness. The law required a sacrifice. Before the cross, there was a sacrifice required. But Jesus became that sacrifice for us. Here's the bottom line issue. We all want to feel right before God. We all desire, but the reality is we never can in and of ourselves. No matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, in and of Jacob Biswell, I will never feel right before God if I try to do it of my own accord but through Christ who already justified me by his blood. Because here's the reality. I can never satisfy the demands of a righteous and holy God. But when I put on that renewed spirit, when I put on the image of God, when I put on that new nature, it is knowing and experiencing resurrection life. We've been given the ability to know him in the powerful Reality is that Christianity, it's what I said earlier, is not just an ideology, but it is a powerful experience of spiritual life and power. And the objective of Paul here was to say this, that you may know 
and experience the power of his resurrection. That you may know and experience the power of his resurrection. That power takes what is dead in our lives and makes it alive. Those areas of pain, those areas of suffering, those death blows in life, it takes and it turns them to a place of wholeness and healing. The resurrection power of Jesus was made fully possible because once we were saved, we came into contact with direct resurrection power. I don't care what electronic you have until you plug it in, until you charge the batteries until you do what it was intended to do. It's never going to work. But when you get plugged in to resurrection power, everything changes. I think for too long, especially in the Christian church, we've just bypassed it as some doctrine. Oh, we may know him in his resurrection power. But this is a present reality that we must enter into. How? And that's the four keys I want to give you this morning for Easter. The first key is this. Understand the person of the Holy Spirit. He did not leave us alone to try and do this on our own. He gave us the Holy Spirit. John 7, 38 and 39. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But Jesus is the glorified, resurrected Savior, and he has given us the Holy Spirit that we might have a river of living water that would flow out of us. The Holy Spirit, point two, is in us, and it is the resurrection power. Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens your mortal bodies. You have the same access that Jesus had when he was resurrected from the dead. That same spirit, the Holy Spirit, quickens your mortal body. Point number three, I want you to actively look for the opportunity to allow that river to flow from us to others. That's the key. What I have found is that when I try and I'm feeling distant from God, and I'm feeling like I'm not good enough, and I feel like I can't do it on my own, I have found that when I get my focus on Him, and I begin to do what He's called me to do, which is to bring the river of God to other people, all of a sudden those things that I'm struggling with start to go away. All of a sudden those things that have bound me up, when I start to pray for somebody else, when I start to share with somebody else, I find freedom because the river of God begins to blow away those things that were obstructing my own life. Those blockages in my life go away because the river of God begins to flow through me and it begins to get rid of those blockages. And I want to say to you this morning, it's not enough just to say, oh yes, I believe in the resurrected Savior. It's not enough just to say, oh yes, I've chosen to follow Jesus. We are called to live lives that demonstrate the resurrection power of Jesus. We are called to live lives that bring that opportunity for others to know him. Paul said that I may know him and the power of of his resurrection. As I start to close this morning, Jesus demonstrated victory over death by dying on the cross, being raised from the dead, and thus breaking the power of death. And the result is that now available to us is that same supernatural power. 
I've said a lot this morning, but if I could summarize it in just a couple things. He died. He was buried. He rose again. And he appeared to people. Those keys need to be true for your life. Because how is he appearing to people today? Through your life. Through your life. You become the demonstration of the resurrection power. He died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. And he appeared to others. If those four keys right there, if you could get that, if you could get those four things, and those could be the cornerstone of everything you do, it would change how you operate. Because he appeared to you, and maybe he hasn't this morning. Maybe you haven't come to know him. And I want to give you that opportunity. Ephesians 2 says that he is a God who is rich in mercy. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me and he died for you. And the reality of that this morning will change your life. This morning you may be in this room and you've never come to faith in Christ. You've never chosen to follow him. You may be watching across the internet this morning. And you've never made a decision to follow Christ. And I want to give you that opportunity this morning. In just a moment, Pastor Hector and Susanna are going to be standing right over here. If you'll go ahead and make your way there, Pastor Hector and Susanna. In just a moment, I'm going to give that opportunity. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning. And this is a, a rite that is reserved for those who have chosen to follow Jesus. We do this in remembrance of Him. We do this in partaking of the bread and partaking of the cup. We're partaking in His death and His resurrection. And Pastor Hector and Suzanne are going to share a little bit more about that in just a moment. But I want to make sure this morning that every person has had that opportunity to follow Him, has had that opportunity to know Him. And if you've never made a decision to follow Christ, You've never made that decision this morning. And you're saying to me, Pastor Jacob, I want to make that decision this morning. If you're watching by live stream, in just a moment, we're going to pray together. We're going to choose to surrender our lives to Christ. And then I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Hector and Suzanne, and they're going to lead us in the partaking of the Lord's Supper. But if that's you this morning, and you're saying to me, I've never made that decision, or maybe you did it one time in your life, and you're saying, I just, I'm not sure of it. In just a moment, we're going to pray a prayer together. Not the prayer that saves you. Jesus saves you. But it's a good introduction to a life with Him. So if that's you this morning, will you just slip up your hand? And for those who might be watching by live stream, church, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. And I choose to follow you. I thank you that today I'm a new creation. Not because of what I've done, but because of what you've done. Thank you that you died and you rose again. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook, or visit www.equippingchurch.us.